Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. We're talking Seahawks football. Uh, we're previewing a game today, Seahawks at 49ers. Very consequential game in the NFC West. And uh, here to get you all caught up on all the news. So welcome in, Keith. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's a, um, it, it is a consequential game. This is, uh, you know, the Seahawks cannot afford you know, to drop these next two to the, to the 49ers and the Rams. And, and they've got to pick up a minimum of one of these two because at one and four, um, you know, especially if the Rams are sitting there at five and oh, uh, yet that's a huge thing. You got to catch up. And oh, that's so, a huge deficit. Yeah. Like you're that you, it's more than just needing help. That's, that's like needing them to fall on their face in order to catch up. Well, and that, so, that would paint a, a much larger, you know, issue and problem. As yeah. Well, so, so, so th- th- this team's got to, they really need to attack this game. I think this is a a very winnable game for them. Um, and uh, you know, we'll take a little it's bit. The most we'll, winnable out of the two, even though it's on the road. It's one of the more winnable games they've had out of the first five. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like I said, we'll we'll take a little bit of uh, of an ex- we'll examine that a little bit um, here in a bit. But we've got some news. We've got some other things we wanted to talk about and go through. So um, yeah. Well, let me run through the through the news and stop me whenever you want okay. to start talking about something. Gerald Everett ended up in the COVID-19 protocol. Um, I haven't heard yet specifically if he's actually contracted COVID-19 and tested positive uh, or just been exposed. I, I'm waiting for confirmation on that. It sounds like he's um, on on the first part of that where he mm-hmm. it looks like he may have contracted something. Um, they made some roster adjustments. Uh, that was one of them. Practice squad additions. Uh, familiar face back this year. Right now, Philip Dorsett, at wide receiver, signed to the practice squad, which is interesting because he spent all year last year under contract, but off on the roster. Reserve. On, on injured reserve. reserve. Yeah, and so it's interesting because he's got a skill set that's similar to Dwayne Eskridge. And being that Dwayne is, has just faced some uphill um, battles getting onto the field this year, I think it's a wise move to kind of have a backup plan there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, tight end Ryan Izzo, uh, which is another interesting pickup, I think. Um, mm-hmm. They they brought in another uh, Sternberger, uh, Jared Sternberger, in earlier uh, last week, and then now Izzo, um, and it's it's it, interesting. He's got a little bit of success. I mean, twelve game starts in the last couple of years with three hundred yards uh, pass catching and a touchdown. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And then they brought I mean, back quarterback Jake, Jake Luke. Yeah. So I was going to say with, um, with Everett going on to the COVID protocol, they need, they need another tight end, if nothing else, just for practice. So the Izzo one makes sense. Um, I'm going to be curious, are they going to go into like, who's going to be available? Who's going to be, um, you know, who's going to get uni- brought up? Who's right. going to be, who's going to be in uniform on, on game day? Because you're not, you know, you're not going into that game with one tight end, uh, and well, Disley, you're you're going to come into that game with at least two, 
And so who's the other guy going to be? Um, well, and, and to, that plays right into that. Um, Robert Kimdichi was signed off the practice squad onto the 53. They had mm-hmm. to do that because uh, Kimdichi had already spent the first three games being called up. That was his yep. limit. We were either going to have to cut him or sign him, and they signed him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we heard today in a news conference uh, with Ken Norton uh, that he confirmed that Kim Dietschy has actually um, surpassed Collier on the rotation at the, the three tech. And I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, we saw Collier play pretty well last year, but he wasn't at the three tech for most of it. He was at the five tech. Um, he was in the, at the five tech in the base. So against the run, um, they liked him in that role. They wanted him to move inside to the three tech and be able to generate a push um, on passing downs. And he just hasn't been able to make that adjustment. So Kim Dice has always been a defensive tackle. He's always been a three tech. That's who he is. And so for him to pass Collier at the three tech rotation, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense because that's you're asking Collier to kind of play out of position and hope that he can be successful there. Whereas Kim Dice is playing in position and, um, so it, it makes a little bit of sense. It's a, it's a little too bad because Collier is a guy that he played well last year. He filled a, filled a need. He was one of the more consistent players early in the season um, when the defense was terrible and they just needed someone to be making plays, and he made a few. Um, and so and now he seems to be a guy that's going to be a healthy scratch for most. And of a man years. out of out of a position. You know, it's yeah. it's it's the whole thing's sad. A and B. It's an indictment, is really what it is against. John Schneider and the scouting department um, where we overvalued this guy got desperate. I don't even know, understand why we didn't draft like uh, um, Montez sweat. I think was the guy that was out there and, mm-hmm. and Gary or however you pronounce his name from Notre Dame was there and we moved back and we lost out and we ended up reaching. And um, this is, this is what happens when you do that sometimes. Um, all right few more things. Marquise Blair set to return after missing uh, uh, last week with a knee. Uh, he's good to go for this Sunday. Um, Dwayne Esridge is expected back in practice tomorrow. Also available for the game. That's great news. We could probably use that little extra, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Colby Parkinson, Cedric Abuahe back to practice off of the reserve list. And they need... Uh, I think it's three weeks, Keith, 21 days to activate yep. them to the active roster, although they can be activated at any time. True. So, so, so if they're ready to go, if they're um, ready for, you know, full contact and, and, you know, actually helping in the game, they could activate them for this week. They would uh, just make another roster move. Yeah. If they're not, they can put it off for another week or two weeks or three weeks. They have 21 days. If they don't make a move in 21 days and they get pushed over onto season ending IR and um, they're done. Ugh. Yeah. Well, and, and related to that, um, two players that didn't quite make it back, Rashad Penny and Trey Brown. So Trey Brown's been out uh, all year so far, um, mm-hmm. hasn't made a debut yet. And then Rashad Penny just can't seem to, to, get past these, these little injuries, this latest one's a calf injury and it's just got him down. It's got me down. I mean, I'm, (laughs) I don't even know what to do with that. Um, other than just wait it out, let him play out the year. And then we didn't sign him to his fifth year option. He's just going to go off and, and into the CJ precise world. And we probably won't hear from him again. I mean, if he's not going to be this healthy for us, I can't imagine that he would be healthy for anybody else. 
I mean, that, that is, that is the concern is that, I mean, if he, in, in five years, we will have had a few good games from him, but mostly he's been hurt and, or sorry, four years. Um, and so that, and that's seems it. Seems like so, five years. It seems like a lot more than that. Uh, but uh, he's, and a part of the reason why it seems like more than that is because he just took that CJ Procise role of the oft injured, injured back that never seemed that always had all the talent, but never seemed to play. And uh, so that, and that's just, that's where the team's at with him right now. Um, what, Procise, what, have, what have I always said about uh, the player's the best, the, best the attribute? Best of, the best ability is availability. Um, and he just hasn't. And it's, it is it is frustrating because this is a guy that with tremendous talent. And we've seen it in pieces and flashes, but not enough. And he's the type of guy that when he leaves Seattle, because they finally like they're going to give up on him because he can't stay healthy. And rightfully so as far as giving up on him. He's going to go land with. Um, some team that needs a running back like Baltimore or whatever, and he's going to explode and just be a great back. Um, this is, uh, uh, he just has that Amon Green feeling to him where <laughs> the guy just could not get himself out of Mike Holmgren's doghouse, yeah. got traded away to um, the Packers for nothing, and then just became their workhorse back for a number of years. And, that was frustrating. This, I just, it has that feeling like it's going to happen. You know, at this point, I care. I honestly, I don't have any ill will against Rashad Penny. The guy, you know, you just, you can't be upset or pissed off at a player for being injured. It just is what it is. And it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But I would wish him well out there. Obviously, you know, if he can land and stay healthy and make a contribution to a team. Uh, as long as it's not in the NFC West or the NFC, I'm okay. I mean, I would, I would much prefer to have him be healthy and give us a good 10 game run, you know, and go raise his value in the, in, you know, in free agency. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But give us something, give us something on the way out the door. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we're going to make a transition and we're going to talk about the 49ers. But before we do that, Keith's going to read our yeah. uh, weekly ad. So we um, we have our partnership with uh, with DraftKings, and so as we look forward to uh, Week Four, uh, you know, with DraftKings Sportsbook, it's the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Um, you know, DraftKings customers uh, can get one hundred and fifty dollars instantly um, when they bet one dollar on any football game. All you need to do is uh, go to DraftKings, sign up, make a five dollar deposit. And then enter the promo code TPPN. That's the the Pigskin Podcast Network, TPPN. Um, so that's uh, $150 in free bets if you use promo code TPPN. This week uh, at DraftKings Sportsbook, um, must be 21 older and, you know, all the u- usual legal stuff. Um, see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Yay. Awesome. So... And it, it's good to have uh, a contributor like that. DraftKings is great um, to be part of the, the Pigskin Podcast Network is, is awesome. Great group mm-hmm. of guys. Uh, those fruits will just bear uh, over over a long period of time. So we're happy about that. So let's get into this thing. Uh, Seahawks on the road uh, after a, a disappointing couple of games. Um 0-2 in the last two games. 
uh, and both of those defeats felt worse than normal just by the way that we lost. We're going yeah, into a, a 49er stadium now where they just came off a, a, a loss to the Packers on a walk-off field goal, 30 to 28, um, where our guy that we just like to dish on, um, Garoppolo, actually put them in a position to win. He had a, got them down and scored a touchdown with uh, under a minute to go. And uh, then they gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and, and he got him in position. And so it's an interesting we, game because I think both teams kind of want to prove yeah. that they're not what they seem to be. Well, I mean, the Seahawks uh, have the number one offense in the NFL. I mean, uh, just going through and, and, and you look at the stats, number one by DVOA, number one in yards per play, number one in, in um, uh, you know, just there's a bunch of different categories. They have the best offense in the NFL, um, which is weird when you think What's about the, the fact that, of third down, maybe which even, and even on third down, they're not bad. Um, they're like, you know, I think it was 11th. Um, so th- they're a, they're a good offensive team that has had, uh, you know, four good halves out of six, because on the second half of the last two week games, when the other teams came back in and just dominated the second half, Seattle's offense has been kind of non-existent, but they've also just not had any opportunities. Um, it's been the defense, which has just been unable to get a stop in any way. There's no, they're not collecting turnovers. They're not getting sacks. They're not stopping teams on yeah. third down. Yeah. Uh, it's just been bad. So it it feels a lot worse than it has been um, for Seattle's offense. Yeah. Because the defense has been so bad. Um, and I got a bunch of interesting stats, you know, kind of comparing the two, uh, the two teams offensively and defensively. I, I, I don't, I mean, the Seahawks are one and two, 49ers are, uh, two and one coming off that last second loss. Uh, I think most people would think that the 49ers would be statistically significantly better than Seattle. And they're not, they're actually, Seattle's actually statistically the better. I would, team it wouldn't surprise in me in a if, lot of ways. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Seattle wipes them off the map. If you compare offensive ability to their defense ability, I think they're really, um, they're they're lacking on their defense now where everyone thought that they were going to be, you know, top five, they're actually mm-hmm. top 25, you know, at this point in the season, top 20. Um, so, and so there's an advantage there to be taken, taken um, with them as long as you can neutralize a couple of players. So um, let's, I mean, we're, let's talk about Seattle's defense versus the 49ers defense, right? Cause the 49ers defense is, is viewed as being pretty good minus they need some help at cornerback and Seattle's defense is, viewed as being pretty bad, especially they have a need at cornerback. Um, and in terms of total yards per game, yeah, I mean, Seattle's worst, uh, 32nd in the league and and San Francisco's 16th. But yards per play, it's 20th and 15th. Um, rushing yards per game, it's Seattle's actually got the, the better one. It's 22nd and San Francisco's 27th. Um, it's it really like the teams are fairly um, fairly like mixed together. Seattle's uh, better in terms of sacks uh, sack percentage there. Um, Which is interesting to me. Yeah. And, and Cause we and, just really haven't done it yet. Yeah. We, we had, we've had a little bit, you know, here and there, but it had, they haven't had that like breakthrough game. Um, Seattle is 
fifth in the league in red zone, uh, defensive red zone, meaning they keep teams out of uh, the end zone and, and force kicks. Uh, San Francisco's 25th. Uh, you know, what does that so, tell you? What does that tell you right there specifically, Keith? That right there, um, it tells that, you that, that that tells you that they're bad at cornerback. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say because when you get backed up that close, you know, typically you're not going to give you're not going to give as much. And uh, the Seahawks have always kind of been that way, um, mm-hmm. at least since 2015. They've kind of bend but not break kind of stuff. Um, so what do you think about like our best players against, you know, their best players? Let's, let's say Bobby Wagner versus Fred Warner and uh, Eric Armstead versus some of the guys that are on our defensive line. Um, Nick Bosa is kind of a guy that our offense, luckily for us, you know, Brown's over there manning the left side. Um, but he's probably going to need a little bit of help this week. I would imagine. Well, well, and Bosa will come off both sides. He'll play. Um, he'll come off the, on the left side one play, and then be on the right side the next. And so uh, they're going to have to keep track of him. He's uh, he is one of the better, you know, defensive ends in the league. And so there's going to be mm-hmm. there's going to be a need to, to know where he is, locate him, and a, a, assign help. I was actually uh, impressed with the way that Green Bay handled him. Especially um, with 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 Bakhtiari out, um, yeah, right. Because they had a guy that was a kind of a practice squad guy there mm-hmm. at the, on the left side, and and Nick Bosa kind of had his way with them on the first two or three drives, and then they started having a strategy about what they were going to do to slow Nick Bosa down, and they ended up using a variety of different players to kind of hit him first um, before yep. he was able to get to the tackle, whether and it was really, a tight end or whether it really was a him. or yeah, all that kind of stuff. Wide receivers coming in and, and kind of rubbing on him uh, before they, they hit their routes. Now, of course that's going to slow down the timing a little bit on your offense, but if you can plan that during the week, you know, you as Seattle is going and looking at the film of this last game, they're seeing kind of that effectiveness and it wouldn't surprise me if they've got a little bit of that, at least with like Disley being mm-hmm. inside of the, a little bit there playing to that side, whatever Nick jo- Nick Bosa lines up on. Now, of course, they can stunt after they get kind of lined up and so forth. But nonetheless, I think you can mitigate some of that. Yeah. And, you know, Bosa's one of those guys that can win inside. He can win outside. He can he can do a lot of different things. But, yeah, I mean, if you can, you can bump him, you can, you know, uh, give the offensive lineman a chance to reestablish position um, by slowing him down or, or that kind of stuff, you you can you can get him to where he's not quite as effective. And you're right; it does flip the timing. It, you know, you have to have a player do that. And then if they're if they're in the if they're doing that, they're not going out into the route. They're not um, they're not doing that what they would normally be doing, and it's slowing them down. It's making it easier to cover them. Um, but at the same time, one of the things that Seattle did really well um, in the the times when they've moved the ball very effectively is they've had those outlets, right? They've had those short passes. If nothing's open, nothing's open. Wilson's been able to dump the ball off instead of like eating the football and and taking a sack. And you can have that be your, your guy that where you dump the ball off to. So they hit, they end up, they end up hitting Bosa um, on their way out into the route and that slows them down 
Well, that gives the other guys a chance to get downfield. And if there's nothing there, well, then you have this other player kind of leaking out. Right. Um, and the other thing that game. the other thing that um, that the 49ers have to pay attention to uh, with Seattle is um, Russell Wilson. You know, they've mm-hmm. they, they, typically in the past, the 49ers have kind of used a spy on Russell Wilson. Um, do they continue to do that in this game or do they kind of see how it goes with, with the new offense since they're so familiar with it? I think it honestly, if I was an opposing team, I would probably go into don't do the spy. Wilson just isn't running like he used to. He's not as quick as he was. He's not, um, he's not the threat to just, you know, take, pull the they ball don't down. Run a lot of run pass option plays anymore. No, they haven't. They haven't in a couple of years. They just don't want. He takes so many hits just normally in the passing game that they want. If he's going to run, they want it to be a scramble where he sees something. And he, so and the he, better strategy you think is containment, which is what most defenses do these days with Russell Wilson. Yeah, I would say just, um, yeah, just cover and drop guys back into coverage, and you know that if you're going to send a guy here or there that they'll have an opportunity to get home because Seattle's got some holes in the offensive line, like at center. Um, And, you know, but if you can, if you can cover against Seattle and make it so Wilson has to wait and wait and wait because nobody's open. Well, the good news for Seattle is, you know, the the 49ers have two position groups that really suck for them right now, running back, and mm-hmm. cornerback, defensive backs. And yeah. um, there's a big opportunity here for Russell Wilson to have a day if he can figure out a way to, to, to if they can figure out a way to neutralize the pass rush of the 49ers, as well as get Chris Carson going. So if they can do both those things and we can just kind of operate the offense like we've been doing in first halves so far this year, we have a clear advantage and mm-hmm. and this is a winnable game and that's the way that you need to be able to win it is, is keep that offense going, uh, convert third downs and keep that thing going even in, into the second half. What about when Seattle's on defense? What do you anticipate with the whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing after this week, you started hearing the rumblings and, and quite frankly, a lot of it is not on Jimmy Garoppolo. It's on Kyle Shanahan. Like yeah. they're kind of frustrated with him a little bit. Um, and and the elephant in the room is Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, so Garoppolo isn't Russell Wilson. He isn't um, Aaron Rodgers, or you know, he's he's not that guy. He's know, a limited limited guy. People want there are people who want him to be that guy, and I think they just have this expectation that he's gonna he's gonna step up and and um, and and be that kind of player. But he's not that kind of player. Um, and so when the offense struggles, when they, when they don't, you know, they're not able to do things, they got off to such a slow start offensively in this, this that game against green Bay I and, think, and make that three games in a row. Yeah. And so they, the offense isn't like, they're not running away with anything, um, offensively. And then you've got this super talented kid on the bench with all the athleticism in the world and just dripping with talent. Um, there's just a lot of like desire to get him on the field. There's just like this thirst from the fan base to see this kid play. Well, I think everyone realizes that Jimmy Garoppolo limits the ceiling of the offense, but Kyle Shanahan y- yet does not trust Trey Lance to be the full-time starter. Well, so in the, there Trey is Lance, no man's Trey Lance, right now. Trey Lance raises the ceiling 
but he also drastically lowers the floor. And right so now, you take your lumps. I think you take your lumps because um, right now this team is winning. Right, Garoppolo is playing well enough for them it's to not win. Not a Super Bowl team. It isn't, and it's the same reason why uh, Harbaugh eventually w- playing with Alex Smith eventually made the jump to Colin Kaepernick, the more athletic guy, the more dynamic guy, because he recognized that you can win games with Alex Smith, but you're not winning a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. And they, he needed he needed a guy that was more dynamic. You can win a lot of games with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl. With well, him. and we've talked about this extensively with the Jared Goff situation with the Rams, and and you can do the same thing with with Garoppolo. You can argue that Garoppolo's I, I'm not going to call him like Jared Goff, but no, he's like Jared Goff plus where he's mm-hmm. got just a little bit more abilities, more than just a game manager. He he kind of makes some crazy throws once in a while that just are successful, and you're wondering, how did he do that? And other times, it's confounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times, he short arms the ball. He's he's not as accurate as you would want him to be, and he doesn't have the arm to be able to throw the ball down the field. So Jared Goff-like in that respect. So when you're talking about a, a coach like Kyle Shanahan who wants to implement his entire playbook, who wants to use everything that he's got, can't do that with Jimmy Garoppolo. He could do that with Trey Lance, but it's going to take a year. So it's a it's yep. a tough conundrum for them. But if if they end up losing, like <clears throat> here's my situation. If they end up losing this game, and I I honestly believe that the Seahawks are going to win this game, even though they've played horrendously the last game, you know, in in the half. Um, on defense it's just been so ugly i just can't even imagine them winning a game i think that they're going to win this game um and it could be a blessing in disguise for a guy like kyle shanahan to to lose this game at home and have jimmy garoppolo kind of struggle a little bit because that that would give him then that moment that opportunity at being two and two losing to the seahawks at home to be able to go make it make a decision on trey lance it provides him the cover to go and just, you know, we're going to make this, we're going to make this move down and, and see what happens. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting is going into the season after the, you know, the preseason and training camp and whatever, uh, Shanahan talked about this two headed monster at quarterback and that they were going to have all their, all these plays for Trey Lance and they were going to bring him in, in certain situations. And he was going to get, um, opportunities he was going to be on the field making plays uh and they he ran one play in week one and you know he was down on the goal line and 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 got the touchdown for them and i don't think he's seen the field since then yeah Um, and anything that would be out there would be would not be disguised it's mm -hmm. it's a run because he's not anyway yeah um so, so, so talk to me about some of the things that you're seeing on defense, particularly on some players that we thought that were going to be fairly decent this year. Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton had a great camp, thought he was going to mm-hmm. come in. He's been one of the most disappointing players, to be completely honest with you. Um, well, not, Jamal Adams, not, I was saying, um, Cody Barton's not, he sits on the sidelines, he does the special team stuff. And then when the coaches get frustrated with Jordan Brooks, um, making you know mistakes here and there with uh whether it be i think they're trusting cody barton too more with the dropback stuff 
than they are Taylor, which makes well, some which they sense. Should, Taylor they, is it not, makes some sense, but Cody Barton hasn't done a good job on the dropback coverage stuff either. Yeah, he's got a different kind of athleticism. He's he's a little quicker, and so they they think he he has that. I just when I look at what's going on with with Cody Barton, is they he spends almost the whole game on the sidelines, and then it's like okay, now now go play at a high level for eight snaps and then get back onto the sidelines. And it's just so weird for a linebacker to be able to do that. This It's not a situation where, you know, linebackers, there's a lot of feel to it. So that way you're, you're cutting up in between guys and you're, you're hitting gaps and, and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of feel to playing linebacker. And I just don't think you're going to get it, you know, five snaps here and four snaps there. And that's what they're kind of doing with, with Barton. Um, I, I'm not saying that he's been good. I'm just saying like, it's hard to have high expectations in that situation. Okay, Jordan so Brooks, what, on the other hand, was fantastic week one. And then since then has been really inconsistent. He is, he'll make a couple of really like wow plays and his speed is sometimes very evident, but then he gets himself out of position or he just can't get off a block. And there are times when it's far and when it's frustrating. So, um, we might skip over Jamal Adams. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he factors into this too. But what about the run defense? What, what? Um, this is a good. This is a good week to kind of get right. But mm-hmm. if we're really, really bad, this could be just another week. But there is an opportunity here to really make the 49ers one-dimensional. Yeah, because the 49ers um, run defense is. I mean, I'm sorry. The run offense is going to struggle. They, they, who, who's playing running back this week? Do, do they yeah, know? So we're going to look at, um, one second, Tra- we're going to look at Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon, two rookies, a lot in this game. And Trey, the thing about Trey Sermon, I really like Trey Sermon in the draft. And the reason that he kind of fell a lot in a lot of big boards and in, in the draft itself was because he's kind of one dimensional, you know, and in the, I'm actually surprised the 49ers chose him. Um, mm-hmm. because he cannot stretch. He cannot do a wide zone stretch. He is yeah. a guy that's, that can barely get outside of a tackle, you know, yeah. without he's, getting run down first. And so he's, he's gonna, great straight he, ahead. Yeah. And that's all he is, is, is straight ahead. And so when he's in there, you know, he's his, he is either going to run straight ahead or they're going to have him in there block pass blocking. Um, you don't yes. really, you don't really have to worry about him going out and running a, a pass route. Although yep. they might set up a screen to him, um, but now Elijah Mitchell will probably end up being the better back of the two over time. Mm-hmm. I think, in especially in this offense, Elijah Agreed. Mitchell just has the ability to get outside, catch balls out of the backfield, all that kind of stuff. Trey Sermon just didn't have any of that experience at Ohio State. Yeah, so I think we, you're you're in a situation where the, they're not going to have the best running game. And so it's going to be a kind of a get right game for Seattle's run defense because they've got, they've got the guys to do it. You've this got is why Dun- I'm optimistic. Dunlap, Ford, Mooney, um on the defensive line and really whoever plays on the other side, whether it be Hyder or Rasheem Green or, you know, Taylor. pick a guy. Um, yeah. If Taylor moves up. Those are guys that can that can be good against the 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 run. You've got one of the best to ever lace them up um, at Bobby Wagner behind them. Uh, you know they need to get Jordan Brooks kind of 
going and 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 keeping to his his lanes and not trying to improvise and and I think that that he'll be he'll be great as well. It comes down to like what are what what has been going wrong? Why are they getting run over <clears throat> the last couple of weeks? Especially after being really good against the run in week one. And what I see is guys just no gap discipline, just no no discipline. You have an assigned role. You have an assigned job that you're going to fill a certain gap so that way the running back can't come back. And guy after guy after guy is leaving their spot and freelancing and they're just getting burned. Yeah. Jamal Adams did it. Uh, we've seen uh, Taylor do it. We've seen um, uh, Benson Mayo do it over and over again. I don't even know why he's out there as much as he is. Um, they, they've got to get guys to do their job. Yeah. When they do their job, the defense, the run defense is pretty good. And when they don't, they're, they're just getting burned right now. And that's right. what happened in, in the week in the second half of week two, and it's what happened last week. So what do you see happening in this game, Keith? I think this is going to be a, a game with, uh, with some scoring in it. I mean, I, I like Seattle's offense here. I know that, you know, Bosa and, and is a guy that you've got to take into account, but their back end is not good. And I don't think Bosa gets enough help. Um, and Fred Warner is just one guy. Yeah. Um, and so I think you end up with a situation where Seattle's going to score some points. The question is whether or not Seattle can stop San Francisco from scoring points. Um, they could not stop um, Minnesota at all. They only got two, yeah, only the, got two stops the, all game. And the thing about the 49ers is they are kind of built to neutralize Seattle's defense uh, with, with the premier quarterback, I think. Um, but with a guy that's just dinking and dunking the whole time, um, that's problematic for Seattle if a, if a team is patient enough to do that. But mm-hmm. a good running Absolutely. game to support that sort of idea is essential, and San Francisco just doesn't have it. So yeah, when, it, you, when just... you talk about that, as well as Seattle being able to score and score in spades and prolifically on big plays, if San Francisco were to fall behind, and I, I don't, this will be a continuous theme this year, but if, yes. if San Francisco is going to fall behind, are they the best team that's got the ability to come back? Over I mean, and over again. I don't know. I don't think I, so. I, yeah, I mean, their offensive line isn't stellar. You've got Garoppolo who doesn't have the arm to to to, to get the ball downfield. He's a a guy that's going to spread it around a bunch. Um, that's not a that's not an offensive formula when you look at it. That's going to be like, hey, this is a team that can score at will and 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 throw themselves back into games. They need to come in and and dominate games. They need the defense to do its job. They need the offense to to score points, not in bunches in um, at certain points, but just throughout the game because they're able to move the football and convert on third down and those kind of things. Um, the fact that they were able to come back against Green Bay um, was a bit odd because I thought that Green Bay kind of had that 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 set. Um, Garoppolo made some great throws though, and I think yeah. we need to no, it was a great finish to that game. Yeah. Um, All right. So prediction time, Keith. Um, like I said, I was saying, I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I think Seattle is going to be able to pull it out, um, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be close down, down to the wire um, with Seattle winning 31 30. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I always want to go high score with Seattle because it's just so easy for them. And 
than it has been in the first half. And then they get bogged down and I'm not sure exactly what's going on. So I'm going to be a little bit more conservative in this game. I'm going to go 23-17 Seahawks. Do you think, um, do you think Seattle's defense, yeah. Seattle's defense that we've seen for the last six quarter or yeah, six quarters is going to be able to hold San Francisco to 17 points? Yeah, I, I do in that. Um, I think it's going to be a combination of, of situations. So I think San Francisco is just not that good. I'll, I'll just be honest. It's just, it's a team that's struggles a little bit on offense. And given that, I think in the Seahawks really want to come out and prove that they are not a bad team that everyone says they are. Um, and so I just think that it's going to be a slog for San Francisco to move the ball consistently against the Seahawks. And um, on the other side, I'm not, I think we could score 31 points, Keith, instead of, you know, 23 or whatever. Um, that's totally, completely within the parameters of what they're capable of doing. But I need to see it. I need to see it consistently. And well, um, this is the team to do it against. I, I think. mean, we've, we've seen, we've seen it. I mean, this is the team that's that it's got the number one offense. Um, the problem with the scoring and the reason why they're not putting up 36, 38 points a game they don't have any opportunities is the number of possessions that they get is in, especially in the second half of games. Like they only had three possessions, which is pathetic. Total. Yeah. Um, and when you're, and when well, you're lopsided that much in, in, uh, time of possession with a team that has the number one offense in the NFL. That's criminal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just absurd. And so that's got to change. It has yep. to change. The defense has to be getting off the field. They need to, they need to get some turnovers. Do you uh, think re- resulting of that, do you think that the, um, that, uh, and based on the fact that Garoppolo struggles with pressure, do you believe that this is a game that Ken Norton dials up the, blitz packages honestly i hope so uh i know that you know dialing up blitz packages means putting a lot of pressure on your cornerbacks which aren't very good um but garoppolo is not mobile he he can't throw the ball downfield he can't get the ball downfield well and he he doesn't throw well on the run um i would come after him and pressure him and and you know if he start, if he keeps burning you by getting the ball out before the the, the blitz gets there and, and finding open guys behind him, okay, then maybe you ha- you know have to back out of it a little bit. But I would, I mean, I would come after him. I would and, come and, after and him the, hard. And I do that twofold. I get you know you stop drives that way, you stop third down conversions, but you also get turnovers. And we haven't had any turnover. We haven't had any interceptions. We haven't had any fumble. You know, causes. Uh, you know, and you've got to be able to disrupt some stuff. And we're just paying playing so vanilla mm-hmm. with the defense that it's, it's so predictable. I, I read a stat the other day where we're not disguising our defense at all. Like we're the, yeah. one of the worst disguised defenses in the NFL, only disguising like 8% of the time. Yeah. Lining up vanilla eight, you know, 92% of the time mm-hmm. teams figure that out. I mean, come on. I mean, that worked when you were had the Legion of Boom and and everything, and you were you so... You just line up and... You line up, and, and yeah. it didn't matter that they knew what you were going to do. You right. were better at it than they were. This isn't that defense. Um, and last year, when the defense was better down the stretch last year, they were blitzing. They were coming after guys. They were, you know, being all sorts of weird and and, and disguised and, and that kind of stuff. Where did that go? Why isn't that the normal now? If you're going to give up points on 
six out of eight drives mm. to and a Pete team Carroll, like Pete Carroll says he's confident his defense is going to get you know a stop when he, <sighs> when he punts the ball late in games too yeah the whole thing is just kind of confounding and it just needs to be turned around ASAP because we don't have a lot of time we've yeah. got this game that's on the road against the 49ers it, it we could lose this game yeah and we turn around five think- days later and the Rams are in, at uh Lumen Field yeah I was just gonna say if you if you're going to give up points on six out of eight drives to the Vikings, does it matter if you get burned because you got beat up, you know, we got burned on a blitz you're getting or, burned or the fact that you played eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting burned anyway. You're just giving up points after points after points. So if you attack and come at them, if you end up giving up a few more big plays because uh, you know, getting burned on it, does it matter? At least you're getting off the field well, faster, and your offense is your the offense is getting back on the field. And with taking those chances, eventually you're going to get home on a sack. You're going to tip a ball and get an interception. Yeah, I would I would much rather be the aggressive defense than play scared. Yeah, I, I really frankly, just don't we're like playing what the scared right done. now, which is yeah. just not a good look, especially when it doesn't matter. Like you said, we're playing scared, and they're still scoring on us. So, mm-hmm. what the heck? You might as well put those guys in position to do what they've naturally been born to do which is play football and play it aggressively and play it like instinctively and like they know how and go make plays yep right now it just feels like everyone's hands are tied behind their back a little bit with this thing yep get jamal adams back and involved in the pass rush because it was really effective last year uh the guy can get to the quarterback yeah do it yeah well you got (laughs) absolutely all right let's get out of here Yep. Uh, find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Seahawksplaybook.com has everything. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe. And uh, YouTube, same thing. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. So until next week, let's go get a win and yep. go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.